Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. Lovely. in real life yeah. with nice an actual here. human <laughs> that I've never met before which is really I know. cool yeah. <laughs> you've cycled all the way to Belsell Tommy Gakuman <laughs> <laughs> well with a train in between I was so impressed when you took that helmet off I was like carry on <laughs> well it's this wee resolution I've made to myself recently you know when there was that period well, a couple of months ago when it was just non-stop rain and storms I sort of thought it was making me quite miserable and of course nothing we can do about the weather but yeah. I thought I'm not going to let it stop me from doing what I want to do so if I've got a plan to cycle somewhere I'm going to cycle get my waterproof trousers on and just do it anyway and it. you always feel better for doing it I'm so impressed <laughs> although I know you're like fit as a fiddle because I do follow you on Instagram and I see you're like climbing up things and hanging off boulders yep like... yep I'm, yeah, I'm addicted to climbing yeah, it's, it's so great. cool is I've this only... a recent like yeah fairly recent I've been doing it for just over two years now um, or at least that's when I started but actually then for about half that well for about a year of that time I wasn't able to get climbing because of the okay. because of Covid climbing centres were shut yes so of course. but yeah it's really brilliant it's a great um, workout physically obviously but it's a great mental workout as well you know it's a lot of problem solving and it's got a great social scene um, you know you can get outdoors it's just yeah I love it it's great I'm, it's really yeah, changed my life actually you when you're doing it I'm like yeah, you know what you're doing <laughs> yeah <laughs> very impressed but yeah, I think I discovered your work online um, some time ago. I think obviously seeing images that people, other people had shared in theatre or film or whatever, sure. I was like, oh, what's that? Who's that guy? <laughs> and then you go down a rabbit hole, an Instagram <laughs> rabbit hole, and um, I discovered you and I was like, podcast guest potential. So yeah, so I slid into your DMs and was like, can you come to Bell's Hill? <laughs> yep. <laughs> so great. I'm delighted you're here. Oh, me too. And, uh, you know, I was doing a wee bit of snooping online, but I always like to get it from the horse's mouth. So I understand that you were given a camera when you were a teenager by your parents. Yeah, that's right. My parents bought a PC when I, when I was 14. I think that was... Um, oh, was it yeah, it might have been a wee bit earlier than that, actually. Maybe 12 or something like that. Okay. And it came with a free digital camera. Now, this wee thing had, like, I think it had 0.3 megapixels, you know. So it was, it was quite an early digital camera. It was one of the first ones. And I just took it everywhere with me. Um, obviously, I had no pretensions to artistic merit at that time. You know, I just used it. Is it the way kids use the phone cameras now? You know, it's photograph stuff that's happening mm. um, and but what's really lovely because I look back on pictures I took when I was at high school and you know I really value them because they were because they were the only ones uh-huh. because the people didn't have cameras back then so to have these is quite quite a special so thing true. to whereas of course kids now they're whole uh, documented yeah. but um but yeah I took it everywhere I started to take pictures of I'd go a lot of um I went to Kyle Academy in here okay yeah and it's uh for all its faults it did have a lovely I mean it, it sort of Backing onto it was the river here. I had a beautiful walk, so my free periods, I would spend a lot of time just walking about there in the woods. And I think I took a picture of, um, of some weird mushroom that was growing on the side of a tree. Okay. And it won a competition. So that was how it, that's where it kind of started. Yeah, yeah, so. That's so... That's, these things, how these, they kind of... The formative years, do you know what I mean, when you hone in on something, like I remember yep, yep. winning a poetry competition at school, mm-hmm. and I'm still to this day, like, that was such a big deal. But, like, to then know that that informed... What you now do as a career—that's yeah, yeah, yeah. At the time, I'm sure you were just like, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. And prior to that, obviously, the camera was just, as you say, it was a freebie with the with the computer. But was like documenting family life important to your family? Like, were they already taking pictures? Um, oh, I, yeah, I suppose so. Actually, a lot of disposable. We got through a lot of disposable cameras, and we've been quite good at actually. My dad digitised them all. You know, all the family photos. Oh, um, so I've got this hard drive. You know that I can just sort of look through easily all these things. Which actually, if, if not for that, I, when you asked me that, I was like, no, not really. But then I thought, yeah, actually, there was quite yeah, a lot of documentation here. Yeah, so I know because it's funny. Like I guess like you you alluded to there. Like well, all, you know, most of us have camera phones. We have a camera on us at all times, yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Um, but it was more. Like special occasions and ceremony, like ceremonies. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, that's like, right. I always tell the story. Like I remember my dad hiring a video camera from Belsell Cultural Centre, which was the like right. yeah, But you know, we've got some footage of like in the house, like you know, nothing special. It wasn't a birthday or anything. Uh-huh. But then, yeah, you tended to pull out the camera for these like special occasions. But yeah, yeah I mean, I find it fascinating that documentarian type style uh-huh. of photography where it's just. 
people's lives. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I love about your work because you have your theatre and film, you know, and it's it's you know lights, camera, action, uh-huh, uh-huh. all these staged performances. Yeah. But then there's a whole other side to your photography, which is real life, like a bit like when you were doing when you were younger, just. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely love photographing theatre, you know, in my professional life, but it does feel to me like I'm photographing other people's art, you know, set designers, lighting designers, mm-hmm. the work of the actors, the director, you know, that, all that kind of thing. Whereas, yeah, in my personal life, it's just absolutely everything. Totally. Yeah. So after that, winning that competition, did that just spark something like, oh, I could maybe do this? Um, oh, no, that came a lot later. So, okay. I mean, it, it did encourage me to, I think, keep doing it. You know, I mean, I, I've always been a bit of a an applause junkie you know so if you can get easy praise for something yes. then I'll keep doing it so <laughs> uh, so I, I continued to sort of upgrade my cameras spend a lot more time taking photographs but and then I think yeah it was partly through cinema is probably where I got my inspiration for or influence of you know for mm-hmm. stylistically and the kind of images I was interested in taking but it was when I went to Glasgow Uni I studied English literature there um, English as well yeah, that's Strathclyde. Nice one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally. yeah, I mean, I've, I've I've never used my degree as such, but I don't yeah. regret. I don't regret. But I, in a way, you kind of do, don't you? Because it gives you such a broad base of knowledge hmm. in so many things. English literature and a way of thinking about the world, I think, is so helpful. So I don't regret, hmm. you know, a second of that. Um, really enjoyed my degree. Uh, so yeah, when I was at uni, I went. I entered a essay competition to go on a student exchange. Which was to Pakistan, um, and that was run by the uni and the British Council. And when I went to Pakistan, I took pictures, loads of pictures there, obviously. And then when I got back and the British Council and the uni saw the pictures I'd taken, uh, they started to give me some work. So I started to get a bit of paid work while I was still a student, and that's when I sort of started to think, well, maybe maybe I could do something mm. with this. Yeah. But I guess, like, you know, graduating from that wee digital camera to, like, what you'll be working with now, there must have been, like, the one in knowledge, like for knowledge to understand how a camera works and how you can better your photography. Um, yeah, I mean, oh, to, well, I was mostly self-taught, I suppose, when I was a student. I started to buy magazines thing, and things like that, but even while I was actually working professionally, I mean, this is kind of <laughs> shameful. I don't know if I've ever said this one. I was actually working, and I didn't even know what shutter speed or aperture were, right? I just knew through trial and error and practice that if that number was higher, then it meant that, and if that number was lower, then it meant that. I didn't know why they meant that, but I knew what the numbers had to be to do the thing I needed to do. But yeah, and then it was only like, it was actually like, you know, later on that that actually started to learn what, what it meant. That's super inspiring. I've <laughs> been listening going, oh, wait a minute, do you mean? Because I think in the creative industries, there's so many different pathways. It isn't just... Oh, I went and did this, and then you know this this yeah, yeah, yeah. expected mm-hmm. pathway. Do you know what I mean like you yep. did go and study English, mm-hmm. but at the time you were still very much like immersing yourself in that photography world. Yeah, but you weren't doing it formally. As uh-huh. such. But that doesn't devalue what you have learned, what you do. do you yeah, know? yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I love it. I don't know if I, I could ever do anything else now, but um, yeah, I mean, the plan I think before then was to do my masters, do my PhD, maybe a life in academia. That's which. I mean, I still think I would have liked, but God, that, that might even have been harder, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah. there's not much need for literary critics in, a, in the, the recession. I graduated right into the recession, okay. you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and then I did get offered, actually. My summer job was a, was at a law firm. Okay. Um, and I got offered a traineeship to become a lawyer. I don't know if you can do that anymore. I think you now need to have a law degree to be a lawyer in Scotland, but back then you didn't. They've said, uh-huh. we'll train you. You take the bar from, you know, after a year or two when you know what you do. And, wow. and then, but I turned that down. And I didn't tell my parents about that for many years <laughs> after, you know, they'd have been fucking raging. <laughs> I did law in first year. We had to pick like five subjects for our degree. So although you right. went, I mm. went in through psychology, oh, but did me psychology, too. psychology. Law, Spanish, mm. English, sociology, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, thinking I was going to be a psychologist because I did want to be a doctor, but I really didn't get the grades for that. So I was like, what's the next best thing? Optometry or psychology? And then, obviously, it was like, you're really good at English, let's just do the thing you're good at. Mm-hmm. That's funny, you went, because psychology was what I went to study as well. And I picked up English as a sort of something else, you know, a third subject. Yeah. And because I thought, I, I think, you know, when you're, you know, when you grow up, it'll be a bit different, uh, you know, where I, where I grew up. And, and gay, of course, that's another thing. And, you know, I thought maybe uh, maybe psychology will, you know, have the answer to all these questions wow, I've got about right. things. And then, but I went and studied it and it was very interesting. But then I actually found out that I learned a lot more about what it is to be a human. Well, I learned a lot about myself by reading books, actually, by reading novels. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I thought, oh, this is the thing. I'll just yeah. So it just opens your mind, doesn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah. Like I, I'm the same as you. I don't regret doing that degree. I mean, I think maybe kind of our generation. Yep. Yeah, if you're deemed academic, that's just what you do. I mean, I was the first to go to uni in my family on either side for a long time. So yeah. So it was very much expected of me, and oh, I don't regret that. But to be honest, if, if I knew what I knew now. Oh, well, maybe not me, I don't know, but I would maybe, if I, ha- if I have children, I'll not be encouraging them to go to university, unless it's what they really want to do, you know? Fair enough, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's... Yeah, yeah there's so many pathways to, uh-huh. like, I think it's just, like, the pursuit of happiness in it, pursuit of doing something yeah. you love, and whether that's forever, or whether that's, like, I'm going to do that for a while, and I'm going to do that for a while, because I think it's still that story you sold of, like, you need to find one thing that you're good at and stick at it, and you're like, right, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's great, but, mm-hmm. like, what if you're good at lots of things and you want to try yeah, lots of things? Yeah, exactly. I think that should be encouraged, but, um... Yeah, so obviously doing the degree and then, you know, photography is very much in your life now, you're doing it, you're also yep. doing it extremely well. Was there a defining moment you're like, alright, I can, this is this is what I'm going to do, this is what I'm going to pursue? Um, I think probably, I mean, I suppose if I, when I said no to that offer of a lottery initiative, I suppose that was making that decision, but it didn't mm. feel like, when I said that, I didn't feel like this is the big decision I'm making now. Uh-huh. Um, I think, God, I don't know when that probably came uh, do you know what I think it came when um, I was contacted in my final year at uni by basically a guy who wanted to like a, he was an investment banker you know he wanted to help me start up and okay. he said I'll get you equipment you need I'll help introduce you to clients and I'll take a cut of everything you earn I was like okay this sounds mm-hmm. pretty good mm-hmm. in the end that didn't work out but I think that sort of the wee fantasies I built in my head about what was going to happen there I was like wow this is going to be fucking bad you know I thought that, <laughs> yeah. so so even though that did sort of you know come tumbling down a wee bit I had this foundation I was like no I'm not letting that go yeah, so, well, yeah, yeah, so. leaving yourself like, yeah that, exa- that's exactly it yeah, that was it because even though I might have you know loved taking photos I, I had no idea still don't have much of an idea about running a business you know about and about the, the way things work you know and the world works in that, that way you know so um, I mean I've learned some things but not I mean it's definitely I hate it you know? me too I hate money I'm like see if I didn't have to make money that would be ideal <laughs> oh yeah bro. I'm like la 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 don't talk about money <laughs> I totally understand and it is refreshing you say that because like somebody looking at your profile and what you've done and what you've achieved and the places you've been and the people you've met and mm-hmm. the high profile works that you've been involved in like for you to say, you know, not not that you're winging it, of course you're not, you're learning on the job, but it is very much you're just learning all the time. Yeah, yeah, you? absolutely. Uh-huh. And I mean, I'm lucky. You, you, you know, I've got friends or, um, you know, that work in, or even that are, you know, the, you know, that work in the business side of things that you can go and ask for advice and how, totally. how that how that aspect. Yeah, it's works. like you don't need to know absolutely everything. Like you just mm-hmm. need to be able to reach out to people. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't yeah, profess yeah. to be an expert in anything, but yeah, like, exactly. I know lots of people are kind exactly. of yeah, yeah. like, just ask you. That's <laughs> yeah. a good idea. <laughs> So, do you think there's a, a like a link, a correlation between your love for literature and reading that then took you into the world of photographing the arts, particularly? Oh yeah, so I think that uh, so when I was a, when I was a student, I I I, I was involved with uh, student theatre at Glasgow, oh, so cool. stag. So I acted a wee bit, yeah, and then so and I mean at that time I really did carry my camera, a bit this big DSLR everywhere, um, at a time when that wasn't really that was quite unusual you know people didn't really carry cameras about like that I would always get asked what are you doing you know you must, be, you must be reading you've got this and I really did carry absolutely everywhere and um so for that and so everybody just knew me as that guy with the camera so when I was involved with stag I got to know a lot of aspiring actors directors that kind of thing who then went on to become actors and directors and then when I, whether they needed a photographer they thought oh that guy with the camera you know so, so yeah so and <laughs> well, then there's and then also, yeah, there's a, a connection between, you know, I love telling stories in my photos, and so mm. study literature, it's all about stories, theatre is the sto- stories, yeah, so it's all about a narrative, yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you were asked to then go in and photograph, you know, production shots for Macbeth, say, sure. then uh, is there a set way of working, because obviously that's, they're either doing a run or, you know, it's a dress, or, yeah. you know, yeah, they're just... so then you're just finding the spaces and the places that you know that they need those shots, those particular shots. Exactly. But then I guess it's diff- different then when you have like a more artistic freedom or license with you're doing portraiture or you're just out and about with your camera. Is that a different process for you? Um, so I suppose when you're photographing a run of a show, I guess there's a lot of, um, you're thinking about the next thing so, you, so that you can be in the right position. You're sort of 
anticipating how, how that actor is going to move, what it's going to look like when they do, how they'll be in relation mm-hmm. to other people or other objects in the set, how the, how the light's going to be. Um, and so it's very much responding to what other people, oh, the way the thing is moving. Whereas I suppose if it's a, if it's a portrait shoot with, um, you know, just means someone's sitting for me, then obviously I have to take a bit more control. Yes. Maybe have to direct a wee bit, but only a wee bit. So, I, I mean, sometimes you've got time constraints, but I really don't like just saying to somebody, okay, this is what I want you to do this. Mm. Um, but on the other hand, yeah, you've got to give me... So usually I would just give them a prompt or something, and then it's just about watching, maybe you're chatting away or whatever, and then you can always tell when somebody's forgotten that the camera's there, you know, so you actually can, you know, find a wee bit of the real them. Of course. Yeah. Was that a... a decision in itself to to do that type of photography you know to to do portraiture and and your own kind of documentarian stuff or is that just to happen actually because you love photographing you love photography yeah i mean yeah i love photographing and i love uh, photographing people you know i don't think i was ever going to be a obviously if i see a lovely landscape or you know just or a you know a lovely flower i might i might photograph it and got my camera on me but mm. it's not what i love and it's not i don't think it's what i'm good at either so yeah as i say i think maybe my skills lie in that kind of recognizing uh, something people's facial expressions that kind of thing rather than um, yeah. being able to control the light in a landscape or that kind of thing so yeah and I guess like you're saying you love photographing people but you have to be a people person because mm-hmm. you're going into situations where some people might be comfortable being photographed or it's expected it's just path of the course like you know it's part of a production or whatever so nobody's going to blink an eye sure, yeah, in the yeah. room and you can mm-hmm. kind of do your thing and be invisible in a lot of ways yeah well I think that part of the reason I fell in love with photography is where was the actual photographic image mm. uh, was that I was really shy when I was uh, when I was at school and so the camera was a great um, like a, an actual physical shield you know if I was embarrassed or awkward you know I could actually just lift this thing to my face and hide so uh, you know that was a really uh, that's what it was useful for that and then while I was doing that of course you know you're, you're you're examining people's expressions and so on so and then you know I, I was really quite shy actually even when I was at uni but then I sort of kind of grad I think alcohol really helped you know <laughs> so and then I kind of came out of my shell a lot uh, <laughs> uh, when I was at uni and yeah and now well, I just be became a, a people person in that way you get to be a different person almost like when you go into a new realm like that mm-hmm. you know like I was working with a youth theatre recently and they were travelling to work with another youth theatre and we were just saying like if you travel out of your small town you get to maybe be somebody else or you get to be more like yourself yeah yeah than what's expected you of the people who know you at home and how mm-hmm. you act or whatever at school or you know so when you go to uni then yeah. it's maybe a, and I guess you're just maturing and you're growing up you're finding out who you are but yeah it makes sense that there has been that gradual kind of confidence building that's mm-hmm. going on and it you know it sounds like the photography's helped yeah, definitely. And you try on, I think, when you're at uni, you know, you try on all these different personalities and personas and then you sort of find out what doesn't work or you hopefully do because um, I think that, yeah, I mean, I know people that have, have basically gone to uni and met other people that are kind of like them and actually it was quite bad for them because what, <laughs> because if they'd been the only one like that, they'd maybe have known, like, actually, you can't really act like that. Story, you know? well, there's, then, a gang, there's a gang of you, great. I know, I know, and they, they've, got, you've got, they've gone down this spiral. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's so true. Um, and, I mean, I'm sure there's like a bajillion highlights of rooms that you've been in, things that have happened, things that you've been witness to, because I guess it's like, yeah, you're photographing what you are, even if you're booked for a certain job and you've got like a a brief yes but there'll be things that you're privy to in rehearsal spaces in theatres the people you've met that are yeah, just like yeah. you know you could never have imagined is there standout stories that obviously you're allowed to tell us that, um, <laughs> yeah just that you've that was a pivotal moment or that was just a really interesting interaction that I had um, yeah I think uh, well when when you're in rehearsal rooms I think what's interesting is I get to see the sort of different uh, ways in which directors work you know so and they all have these different things that they they maybe they maybe focus on so for example you know Dominic Hill who runs the sets he's 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 uh, very focused on text you know this is a lot of times better to say we go through the, the text you could spend a half an hour talking about what this sentence might mean yes you know whereas yeah. um then you've got uh say a director Andrew Panton who runs Dundee Rep he's a lot about the actors about movement 
And then um, a director like Stuart Lang, who's like very much high concept, a big idea that yeah. they're working around. So yeah, it's really interesting in that how how you and I think you know obviously you know actors get to see this all the time they're in the room, but I just get to be a sort of find the wall who can see these different styles. Yeah, <laughs> so I think that's really interesting. Have there been particular productions that have stayed with you because of you being there, or because of the images that you've produced and, and how they've been responded to when they've been? Put out in the world? Um, probably one of my favourite photographs I've ever taken of a stage performance was a Dominic Hill production. He was directing Footfalls Beckett and it was Catherine Howden. And, you know, it's just sort of half an hour of Catherine moving back and forwards on the stage. And it was really dimly lit. And there was a sort of um, net or kind of gauze, you know, over it. Okay. So it was all kind of. Hazy, ah. and it was, it was so dimly lit that they, when they asked me to photograph it, that you know the marketing people said, "If you don't get anything, it's okay. We, oh, we, wow. we, we don't think this show is photographable." But so, but if you, if you get something like challenge great, accepted. yeah. So, and actually, I took this image that I just I put it on a tripod and just sort of thirty second exposure, which showed the movement and these different expressions, you know, as it went through. Oh, which so I was really. I really love that photograph and I'm really happy to get it because you, you know you really feel like you've really achieved something like, in the face of that yeah exactly so you said it be <laughs> and then there was a show I did for Untitled Projects that's Stuart Ling's company um, they're kind of in hibernation at the moment but uh, it was the Salon Project I don't know if you remember that so it was basically it was an immersive experience uh, where they built this sort of set white box which was basically the, a turn of the century Parisian or Russian salon and when you bought your ticket you had to give your measurements because you turned up on the night and you got dressed up in this period clothing oh, which they pulled from the sets and the Scottish Opera's costume departments and that kind of thing That's and then you all went in and there was no you know sort of line between the so the action and the, and the audience because yes. you, you were part of the Love you know that. the whole thing and it was really yeah that was really brilliant so I had to be there every night to document that um, and that was uh, that was in, that did the Traverse the sets and then went to the Barbican in London so, so me as a photographer being part of that was, um, mm. yeah, it was was interesting, and uh, yeah, so I mean, I'll never forget that. that. Yeah, and so yeah, many. You're like, I guess when people are arriving, most people would know what they were going to, but then there'd be some folk that would just be like, "What?" Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. And I mean, you, even then, you did even if you knew that you were going to get dressed up, you didn't know what was going to happen in the room. So, and it was different every night. So, yeah, it was re- that, really, yeah, really some that's the power. I think in that sense, like you just totally immerse you in a world. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, you know, I've been trying to see a lot more theatre now that we're allowed to. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think working in the performing arts, I'm very guilty of not seeing stuff because I'm working on stuff. Yeah, so I know I'm the same. Yeah, in, yeah, yeah. Like the stuff I'm working on, yeah, yeah. Then, uh, so I made a real conscious effort because I did that thing when lockdown. I was like, "See when theatres on, I'm going to be there." I'm going to yeah, yeah. open it <laughs> and and I really am conscious, like because I think we're and I was uh, who was that I was talking to? Oh no, it was a podcast I was listening to. It was um, Brido's podcast put oh, together. Right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they were talking about basically how if you work in theatre, you almost like take it for granted, like the spaces that you, you, you work in, you know, uh-huh. so like you'll have been in so many amazing theatres and spaces that are like setting nature to you. Yeah, yeah. But going to the theatre is a privilege mm-hmm. and it could be quite a daunting space for an audience member. Like there's still people that yeah. be like, oh, I don't go to the theatre. I know, I know. Uh-huh. When you were growing up, was theatre part of your life? I know you said obviously you, you were part of the, um, the group at the uni, but like, did your parents go to theatre? Did, did you see no, a lot of theatre? No, so nothing like that. Um, yeah, I mean, before before going to university, my experience of the theatre would have been, oh, you know, the school trips to the panto, the very yes. normal kind of thing. And beyond that, no, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something that my parents were ever really interested in. So I think my m- most of my artistic uh, stimulus, I think, would have come from, yeah, cinema and, mm-hmm. and books, you know, growing up, yeah. but not, not any kind of live performance. I remember, I think I was... Uh, yeah, I was in my first year at uni, I think, before I went, before I heard a, a full orchestra play for the first time. Oh I'll God. never forget that. That yeah. was like, I mean, you just like, oh, I absolutely like, can't oh. believe the sound yeah. of this. Yeah. It's like the best day ever with yeah. the orchestra. <laughs> yeah, it's just, um, like I'm saying, like, there must be so many situations where you've been in and you're like, this is mental that I'm in this room and this is happening. Mm-hmm. And there'll be production I'm, productions, I'm guessing, that you've been involved in. You're like, this is particularly special, depending on, like, who's working on it or 
what the subject matter is. Yeah, you know, yeah. Have there been productions, not even just photography, but just that you've been part of the process that you're like, oh, that's going to, that's definitely going to inform my work moving forward. I remember my first day working on a, a film set. Um, and so I was doing the stills for this music video in Hong Kong and it was quite a big budget it had come about because the director had uh, won a short film competition but it was just straight out of film school so this young director had just knew my work from Flickr and he said, I'd like you to be the stills oh, photographer on this. That. So I know, I know, I miss really? Flickr. Yeah. Is, that not, is that not a thing now? I think, I think it still exists, but it sort of, it, it, it died a bit because of Instagram, you know, people stopped really using it. Mm. Uh, but I missed it because it was a real community feel to yeah, Flickr. Yeah, somebody else I spoke to about yeah. Flickr the exact same thing. But you don't really get an Instagram. And then also, oh, you know, Instagram, kind of like for like, it's all a bit shallow. Okay. Whereas on Flickr, it was... Even if you didn't have to be good at photography, but it was all people that were interested in it, mm-hmm. you know. And so the chat was about photos. Um, oh yeah, I miss Flickr. It's a shame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're very Flickr, back in the day, yeah. we're showing an age. Yeah. <laughs> like, was it that long ago, Flickr? <laughs> but yeah, I guess I, then working in a film set is a wholly different experience from the um, in a lot of ways. Oh yeah, I mean the, the main of thing film. is. Yeah, exactly. For mm. for a stills photographer on a film set, it's quite a lot of hanging about. Well, it's it's, it's quite a lot of hanging about for everybody on a film mm. set usually, and then a few minutes of stress where they turn the set over to the stills photographer, and you know you, you don't have very long to get your shot. Okay. So on a on a the difference is like on a on a film set, a stills photographer is just seen as a nuisance, <laughs> a bit of like because obviously I've got to do a job, obviously, but it's not important. It's it's completely separate to the film. You know, it's not yes. you know so. So they you're like you're thanking for these photos. I know exactly. They, yeah, <laughs> you're <looking for> them. <laughs> but they everybody's stressed, working to tight schedule, and then when they've got to stop for stills, you know they resent that a bit. And you know, fair enough. But uh, but I've been lucky actually. I've worked with a lot of um, great uh, great crew and uh, first ADs who kind of are sensitive to the needs of the stills photographer and make sure I get the time I need as, as far as I can. So, but yeah, it's a different sort of. Uh, you know, I was quite used to. When you go into a rehearsal room, or or you're you're just I don't know you're, you're shooting the image for a poster mm-hmm. or something like that, you, you I feel quite respected, you know, when I work in the theatre. <laughs> but you know, when you get in the, in a film set, like, who's this yeah, exactly? Hurry up, right? Get, do your do your do your snap and, and get do away. Do you work yeah. on like well under pressure, or are you more of a like I needed to be a calm vibe guy? Um, I think I I think I do. I obviously I don't, I don't enjoy it. Oh. <laughs> it doesn't feel very nice, but but sometimes I can I can come away, you know, from. To give, give you've got two minutes to get this shot, and then some. Sometimes I think, Pressure. actually, I, I I got just as good a shot as I would have if they given me an hour. So it's a bit, not, not always the case, but yes. but yeah, I think I'm able to work quite quickly and under pressure, so that helps. <laughs> even even if I don't like it, then I have to go and put a lie down. <laughs> and like post production, like what's your creative process after the fact? Like, what does that involve for you? Oh, mostly just sitting at my desk at home at the computer. Um, on Lightroom, just moving okay. about, you know, knobs and dials and stuff like that. <laughs> um, I don't really enjoy post-production that much. I mean, sometimes it can be fun. It can be quite rewarding when you, you, you know, you can make this finished thing and you've done it just right. Or quite interesting to play around and see what possibilities you can you can have yeah. in post. But I don't do a great deal. Um, yeah, it's a much, a much more prefer the actual taking of the photo. In the space, yeah. in yeah. real time kind of mm-hmm. thing. And, I mean, I guess you have met a lot of interesting people, including famous people, because you've photographed a lot of well-known people. Um, what is your understanding of people having photographed so many? What 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 What's your takeaway? Oh, well, most of it, they don't like getting their photo taken. <laughs> That's especially true, actually, of actors in particular. Right, okay. Well, I think that when they don't have a character to hide behind, you know, and mm-hmm. then you're actually photographing them. If they're in character, yes. like, yeah, yeah, but if, if you actually... Like headshots if, yeah, whatever. headshots, so you have mm-hmm. to photograph an actor, you know, as themselves. It's sort of like, oh, what do I do? You know, yeah, so <laughs> that's surprising. Yeah. Um, and then you get people... I mean, so, some people are just absolute naturals in front of the camera and can be so charming, but actually that doesn't necessarily mean... I remember I photographed um, Peter Mandelson once. Yes. <laughs> and... Um, he was one of the probably the best subjects in terms of like being so sensitive to to, to what I needed, you know, and like yes, extremely yes. charming, mm-hmm. extremely considerate. 
but I don't like Peter Manson at all. I don't mind telling you. So that, I mean, that's our politics. New Labour getting the bin. So I mean, I had to deny myself. Oh no, no, no stop, stop falling in love with him. I was like, he's such a nice man. No, stop, stop. <laughs> but of course, that's why he's so good at doing what he does, isn't he? The spin Doctor that's, Supreme. Yeah. Yeah, that's what is dead interesting to like be in spaces with these people that you know, strangers or people that you've worked with for years on and off. Because I guess you. You've been doing it so long that you get to see the same faces sometimes, you know, in different yeah, places. Yeah, of course. Uh-huh. Working in Scotland, but then when you branch out, you go into these different worlds where you're like, how did I end up in this? Right, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. This today? <laughs> like, what is it about? And I guess like you were saying, like you were saying earlier on, that's where you're, you've got to kind of almost like direct it in a sense of somebody uh-huh. like, what do I do? Yeah, yeah. Do you want it absolutely. to be natural, but yeah, you also yeah. need to give them a bit of direction? Like, have you got your go to, like, I don't know, poses or places or. Or even like how you just warm somebody up? Um, I suppose you just talk to them. I mean, I don't have any specific questions, or I suppose maybe I should actually. But it's um, yeah, if you can just get them talking and to, to try and make them forget the fact that they're being photographed, yeah, make them laugh or just make them think. Mm. Talk, make them talk about themselves. I think usually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Talk about themselves. Me included. Sometimes I listen back to this podcast. I'm like, why and, and travel, I guess, is an important aspect to your work as well, like getting to see the world. Like, obviously, you were saying you got that the opportunity to go to Pakistan. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, like, other cultures, other yeah. places in the world, like, um, is that something that you seek out work-wise or even in your own time to photograph um, different places? Yeah, I mean, I suppose when I go on holiday, yeah, obviously, I, you know, or I'm going on a trip, yeah, I do. I do. Photograph me, please. <laughs> I know sometimes I think my pal should pay me for going on holiday. But obviously, I'll take that into consideration when I go on holiday. Like, um, um, Morocco is somewhere I've been a few times because mm. um, cause I went there once and just. It's actually quite a stressful place, and uh, you know, quite quite yeah. full on, not very relaxing. I've been for a day, but to um, Tangiers, and it was quite stressful. I've well, never been to Tangiers before. Yeah. Most of what I found it quite stressful was just as a tourist there, um, you get harassed quite a lot. Just everybody wants you know money off you, and you know you kind of can't blame them because of course. What, what I'm spending in a day there is maybe what somebody's earning in a week there. Yeah. But yeah. but it just meant that you can't really relax. You're always like, kind of on edge about mm-hmm. that. And then also it kind of taints, sadly, any kind of interaction you have there because it always ends up with the want money. And then I remember once just, you know, chatting away to a guy in a park. We were chatting away for a good long time and I thought, oh, this is nice. Finally, somebody, you know, who doesn't actually want anything from me, we're just chatting. And then at the end, no, it was. It was all oh. just, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. so. You're um, like, ah, you're like, you're trying to take away meaning from that conversation. Yeah, like, yeah. You probably did enjoy having a conversation with me. But you also needed the money. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it's, I mean, it's such a beautiful place. Uh, so, like, uh, visually rich and interesting. Mm. So, I mean, I love yeah, taking photographs there. Mm-hmm. It's so, so interesting. Um, so, yeah, obviously, and then I've been lucky to sort of work abroad now and again. But it's not... Um, Oh, and obviously I'd welcome more, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how, you know. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> so, um, so but, but, um... But yeah, I don't know if it's like not necessarily something I actively mm. seek. Yeah. yeah, most of my work yeah. is here in Scotland, and then I'm up and down in London quite a lot. Okay, cool. Yeah. And that world of freelance and being your own boss, doing your thing, is that somewhere that you are wholly happy to be? I mean, obviously we spoke about briefly about mm-hmm. like, like the business aspect and how stressful that is. But you're quite happy just doing your thing. I think I'm now, but it took a long time to get okay. there um, because. And the thing is, oh, it's it's really stressful and, and kind of difficult to be a freelancer mm-hmm. and people think it's 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 really either glamorous or it's really lovely you've got all this free time sometimes you just you know, go for lunches, like, yeah uh, but, but then on that but you're all you're, you're always a bit stressed you know there's this low low level anxiety and stress that's just like with you all the time what, what, I, I think that's why i lost that my hair stress, what is that stress like um, is financial is it yeah next work where is it um, i from? think that yeah i mean yeah both uh-huh. mm-hmm. i think that Oh, at least well, you know, I'm 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 more financially secure now than I than I've ever mm-hmm, been, and mm-hmm. certainly I was in my, in my twenties. So I think that's reduced a bit. But yeah, you know, and actually, I think it's better now for I think COVID helped me a lot, um, <laughs> because it made me a lot less stressed about these things. Because like, I found out that when I, during COVID, I found out that I don't need as much money to live as I thought I did. Like, I get by and not very much, and I also learned that my career and my job isn't everything you know so I, I'm a lot less stressed 
I'm not less career focused now actually, or at least it's not tied up with my identity, you know, like yes, I take photos for a living, but that's not who I am completely, you know, whereas I used that used to be completely who I was and therefore if I wasn't getting work, then it wasn't just worrying about money, it was like an identity crisis, like who am I or am I shit, you know, so... Yeah, um, and I feel like that's important to talk about because I don't want, like, as much as I'm asking people to come on the podcast to talk about their passions, it doesn't take away from the fact that you are passionate about photography. But, like, mm-hmm. you say, you like climbing, yeah. you like travel, you like, you know, there's so many things in your life that you like, and that yeah. makes you, you. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and yes, that will inform your work, but it's it, some of it is completely separate yeah. to your work. Do you know what I mean? And I think you're right, it's dead important to be able to, like, separate yourself and say, I, I'm of value just as me. Exactly. Yeah, that's you know, like it. Like a uh-huh. camera in my hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like you've Tommy's got lots to offer as mm-hmm. just a human being, like literally just standing where you are there now. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think you're right. Covid probably did do that a lot, as much as it was stressful initially, because it was all that uncertainty for a lot of freelancers. Like, yeah, oh my God, what's going to happen? Like, is the industry, especially the performing arts world, mm-hmm. uh, the arts in general, is it going to come back? How is it going to come back? But yeah, it's that pause also allowed us to go. Oh, there's other things. Exactly. And I'm alright. Yeah, like, yeah. Just be uh-huh. me. Yeah, that's what that's what I thought. I mean, mm-hmm. I think if I was, if I was ever scared about getting old, then I think I was worried about being lonely or bored or poor. And then during COVID, I found out that I don't think I'll be any of those things. Great. Well, because I mean, or at least I might, I might, I might end up alone. But I like my own company. I and there's tons of stuff for me to do. I, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, well, exactly. That's it. It also made me sort of reframe my uh, ideas about uh, I'm less focused on a romantic relationship now. You know, if I meet somebody, great. Mm-hmm. But made me realise actually the value of my friendships and how, I, you know, I think a lot of people get with somebody just because they don't they don't want to grow old alone. Mm. But actually, I think if you've got loads of... I've got friends who are, you know, in their 70s and I've got friends who are 18 and yes. I hope I always will. And you know, so I, and when my when my when my old friends, you know, are in their final, you know, in their dotage and they're coming towards the end, I'll be there for them. And I hope that you know, when I'm when I'm old, I'll you know, I'll have so young pals true. that are there for me. So I think it's important as well to have a, a, a spectrum of people in your life, like mm-hmm. all ages, all yeah. different backgrounds, like because working in the creative industries as well, you can kind of be in a bubble sometimes, or mm-hmm. like in a echo chamber of like the same chat. Yeah, it's nice to have pals or, or family members or whatever that are nothing to do with that world. Yeah, that's true. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? Just to have another yeah. perspective. I think we're lucky working in the arts because we do meet people, say, of all ages. Yes. And so, you know, we've got pals that that, that, that span the age. Mm. But you're right, it's good to have friends that don't work in theatre or, or the arts, uh-huh. you know. It's, you know like, um, my husband will say to me, you'll be playing with your pals, eh? And I'm like... <laughs> but he's, do you know what I mean? I'm like, essentially yeah, that is yeah. what I'm doing. I'm playing. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I, I mean, so... I, uh, quite a lot of my exes have been doctors, actually. You know, so, and uh, I remember one time I had been on this shoot, and it was down. It was doing the uh, promotional image for a show, and it was like kind of down the beach. You know, in these costumes. I think it was sat a fire as well, or something like that. And so when I got when I got home, my ex was like, "Oh, how was how, how was the shoot?" I was like, "Oh, it's great." You know, doing all this stuff. You know, and it's just in a way, it's just plain. Out. And I was like, "How was your day?" Well, oh, three people died. And I was like, "Oh, you went." Well. Okay. Show open some wine. I know. <laughs> my work I know. So I mean, that's the thing. I think Gosh. it can be important for us to remember, even though I think what we do is as value. Of course, you need it's to remind ourselves of that as well. But uh-huh. also, yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, over the years, like you know, I remember. I think it was like some. Oh, I used to work in club manager a lot, and I remember there was these beautiful sculptures. I think it was the same person that designed the kelpies mm-hmm. that had created these structures that were going to go in like the roundabouts and that and club manager yeah. and I remember at the time folk were like public money for sculptures what the hell do we want that for mm-hmm, do you mm-hmm. mean? I was like and I remember being outraged because it was like you know that's important too like mm-hmm. yes yeah, yeah. like making sure that there's no potholes in the road <laughs> and like folk are getting fed and folk are not food banks or whatever do you mean but also we can't have no art either do you mean like it's, there's got to be a balance exactly, everything's yeah. got that, you know everything's of value mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's nice like if somebody can just kind of give you a bit of a reality check sometimes about like how your working day was. It's like, well, it was it was a different type of stress, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, actually yeah. keeping MD alive. Mm-hmm. I mean, I quite often say like if I'm stressed, I go, oh well, MD died, good. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. The worst that happens if I do a, you know if I don't do my job well is, is a bloody picture somewhere, you know. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> 
So nobody, nobody's going to die. <laughs> and are there particular like areas of your photography that you've not tapped into yet? Like things that you would like to achieve in terms of your work? Like places you like to be or companies you'd like to work with? Um, oh, no, I don't... Well... I don't know if I, if I feel that's that's probably a, a, an oversight of me, but again, not being very business minded, you know, I don't really have these kind of goals. Mm. I just consider myself lucky to be to be that's still doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then I'll always have my camera with me in my personal life, you mm. know, so that'll always be yeah be there. Yep. Uh-huh. And coming out of COVID, because obviously we're now start you know productions are up and running. There's loads of great theatre now and. Um, are you finding that, you know, people are reaching out that you've worked with before? Are you getting new clients now? Like, how has it been? Yeah, I mean, the last six months of last year were the busiest I've ever been. Mm-hmm. And I think that's obviously because people had all these projects that they've just been waiting for the go-ahead to yeah. to be able to do. Um, so that was a busy time. And then, as I say, as kind of that the work in film and TV, I'd done a little bit of that before, but... I really uh, got a bit more of it while COVID was happening because live performance was obviously at a standstill, but but there was a lot of but film and TV production were allowed to continue, yeah, yeah, and I think course. that's quite true across the across like the the, the theatre um, industry. A lot mm. of directors I know of of theatre ended up uh, doing a wee sidestep over to digital uh, yeah. media for a while. Yeah. I guess there was so many people like sidestepping. Like mm-hmm. they didn't expect to. And yeah. then, you know, it was like the opportunity arose or just it was like like a survival mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Was there anything mm-hmm. you did for yourself during that time where you're like, oh, I did not expect... Whether it was work-related or not, like any type of work that you were doing during COVID, you're like, oh, didn't think I would be doing this. Um, so I started a series of self-portraits because... Yes. Obviously there was uh, there was nobody to photograph. Well, you know, I, I live in my, my I flatmate. I love that image of you. The, was it for the Scottish portrait? Um, yeah, so I'd, it's just a series that I did every morning. I would do this. Uh, I'd just set up a tripod and a time in my room, and then that was the what's right. One of them was in, is in the. In fact, it's on at the Glasgow Art Club right now throughout April. So um, the the Scottish Portrait Awards exhibition. That was one of the ones I entered and was yeah is in the exhibition That's this year. So, so cool. In that black and white mm-hmm. imagery as well. Is that something? I guess when you're working in the theatre, it's traditionally the you know the, the colour because obviously you want to capture. Yeah, yeah. Then. So maybe don't get as many opportunities to work. In yeah, life. I think so. yeah. I mean, I like both. I think probably at heart, I'm more of a uh, color, photographer of color. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I mean that image was taken just sort of against my bedroom wall, so you know, very plain. I think it's, it can work better, you know, when there's. You know, to bring out you know sort of tone and texture. I think. Yeah. And you're obviously somebody who like enjoys like being physical, you know, and like, because you're, you're talking about, you're climbing, so like yeah. the female, like the, the, sorry, the human form mm-hmm. is something that must really interest you, how bodies move and how they, you know, whether it's on stage or more naturalistic yeah. movement. Yeah, or, yeah, absolutely. You know. And I mean, it's been quite, uh, you know, from a self-centered point of view, I've been quite interested because it's actually, the fit, oh, well, I've had a strange journey with fitness, but I've not always been, you know, I didn't really, I never set foot in a gym until I was 25. And then I didn't start cycling until I was 30, I didn't start climbing until I was 34 there, so it's, it's actually, I'm discovering these these things a bit later in life, and it's really interesting for me to see just the way my my own body is changing, yeah. you know, the shape of it, and you're like, oh, that's, that's, yeah, that's yeah. yeah, so it's, um, yeah, I'm doing the same, uh-huh. but it's like the opposite, going, <laughs> remember that body you had to, when you were a cheerleader, why did you not appreciate that at the time, coming out of COVID, I think I'm going to take a leaf out your book, <laughs> you start cycling for sure. <laughs> donning the, the gym gear again um, but yeah I guess it's like taking those like you, you enjoy photography as a hobby you know yeah. it's very much like your passion and, and just being inspired to pick up the camera and just photograph what you want to. and there's no like expectation like you're not being booked to do yeah. those things so yeah exactly whatever comes out of it is like well we'll just wait and see yeah. type thing that's yeah, nice that's right. do you think like with your photography of yourself that's you then opening yourself up because you're saying you used to be shy oh yeah absolutely Uh Um, so yeah I think that uh, kind of a lot of artists through their work are trying to be you know it's some kind of it's obviously a form of self-expression but quite a personal or confessional form even sometimes where you're like yes this is me Mm -hmm. and then I think that what we're talking about earlier about this sort of uh say when you're at university and you try on these different personalities and then you sort of find out which one is you or you, or you learn how to be yourself hopefully um, and I think that part of the reason probably why I'm quite generally quite an open person is because 
I think that when I was when I was not and when I was trying to be somebody else, okay. actually people didn't like me. <laughs> and you know, because I so you know too busy trying to be somebody else, and then. I sort of... So it's not to like, I can't imagine that. Well, I think that... So basically what happened was I, I probably the most important, um, you know, romantic relationship I've ever had, I met this guy who could sort of see through all these, all my bullshit, do you know what I mean? All the, all my, all the other things I was try, or trying to be or Fair pretending enough. to be. Yeah, yeah. And um, he really sort of taught me the value of being myself and being nice. And then I found out that, you know, as a got better at being myself I think oh people people like me yeah. you know when I'm when I'm just when I'm just myself yeah. and so then I think that yeah so so sometimes I probably I'm a bit too much myself you know and a bit like effusive because I'm, I'm like right like me like me <laughs> totally I, I completely connect to that and I think the older I get like cause I'm going to be 40 this year so I think there's like that thing about a milestone birthday right like, yeah who am I and what have I achieved in my life and mm-hmm. do you know what I mean and I think you're right, like it's so important to try and be authentically yourself and not get caught up in the, what do I need to be for everybody else? Yeah. And I think maybe doing your, the job that you do and you're working in the arts and you're very giving of yourself and it's like self-promotion as well because, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, like you're turning up, it's you, you're the, you're the business, you're the brand kind of thing. And yeah. Yeah, I think it, it, it's really it's such a valuable thing to do is just be yourself because mm-hmm. that is enough like we were saying at the start but it can all, you can often get caught up in like would I need to be for everybody sure, else yeah. on the other hand though I think that definitely you can, there's different sides to me of course you know that that I suppose actually if two different groups of friends you know at the complete opposite end of the spectrum if, if one of them saw me with the others, they, they wouldn't think that was me. You know, but actually, they're both me. It's just totally. different, different, different parts. Yeah, and actually, that's... on the podcast, like, I'm being me, but I'm mm-hmm. just this version. If I'm going to teach a class in a school, yep. you know, like, I'm, I'm not going to talk to you mm-hmm. like I would talk to the Wains. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But... And that's exactly that gets reflected in your, your voice. I was brought up, or at least my I was brought up, my mum talks Scots, mm-hmm. you know, and my mm-hmm. granny, Granny Annie. Yeah. So... But I wasn't allowed to talk to Scott, so, you know, if he said, it's no hoose, it's house. Yeah. I'd say, but you say hoose. I'd say, aye, but you don't, son. You know, yes. so I was brought up properly, yeah, which, of course... Yeah, I remember a, a, um, a video of us being on holiday in Turkey with my cousins, and they said something that would be deemed slang. Can't remember, mm-hmm. It was one word, and I, my mum corrects me in the video. Right. Mm-hmm. She would never do that now. No, no. But that, that, it's exactly the same thing. I yep. think there was maybe a stigma attached to oh, speaking, yeah. like, in your non... Your, your, your Scots vernacular. Mm-hmm. And I think it actually, I had a chip on my shoulder about it for a while. It took me a long time. Actually, going to Glasgow Uni was great for that because mm-hmm. studying English language there, they're very descriptive, not prescriptive, you know, and the uh, respect for the fact that Scots is a real dialect. Yes. And then, of course, the great Tom Leonard, he taught some classes, you know, mm-hmm. when I was a student. So that really helped me to love my yeah. Scots voice. And so if I'm Talking to my mum, it'll be pure Ayrshire, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, Did you, your mum still live in Ayrshire? Yeah, in Ayrshire, uh-huh. Oh, so, you know, cool. like, change in folk, oh, you know, and stuff. So that'll be, you know, I, I'll speak. But then, but then if I'm, I don't know, if I'm having a meeting with some folk from Scottish Opera, that's not the voice I'll use. <laughs> but neither of them, neither of them are fake, you know. No, or they're both, they're both yeah, apart me, you know. Bilingual. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I know, because I, I went to see the new um, production Orphans. Oh, weekend. I'm going on Thursday. So good. Brilliant. It was just dead refreshing to hear like folk talking in Scots and singing yeah, yeah, in Scots yeah. with mm-hmm. Scottish accents. It was brilliant. That was the one, like one of the things. Like there was many things I took away from it, but I was just like, aye, it's just lovely to hear it. And you know, I went to see James McAvoy and Serrano de Bergerac. Oh, I would love it's to see that. One of the best that. things I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh God, everybody says that. I was gutted because I got offered tickets to it twice, and both times I couldn't go. <laughs> but yeah, it was just really again refreshing to hear. Many accents on the stage, yeah, yeah, including him just speaking in Scots, you know, and, and very much like those moments where you're like, Well, I'm having to listen here now, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really, really pay attention to <laughs> really understand what he's saying. It's brilliant, I think, just more like representation generally. Do you know what I mean? It's important, do you know I mean? More diversity, more languages, more people, like, yeah, just it's, it's important that theatre should reflect the world, oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and lots of languages and places and people should be celebrated. Mm-hmm. And I guess, like, for you, photography is that, like, you are documenting so many different worlds, but the world in general and the world that you see, it's, like, through your eyes, what you're witnessing. And... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A few years ago, there was a, 
you know how BuzzFeed did these listicles. I don't know if they still do them. Okay. You don't really see it, but um, they put together a series of my photographs of basically couples. Okay. Usually couples that I'd photographed, you know, just in a bar, across a bar, or something like that, or in the street. Mm-hmm. And um, when it was published, I was quite surprised by the backlash for how unrepresentative it was, how lacking diversity. And I sort of thought, oh, well, I hadn't really thought about that. Well, obviously, every, every individual photo was just a photo in and of itself. Mm-hmm. So, and I hadn't really compiled them in this way. They'd been compiled by a, a BuzzFeed editor. Fair enough, right? But it did make me think, because that's not really something I take into consideration mm-hmm. that much when I'm just photographing out and about. I suppose part of the reason they were like that would be because they were mostly f- taken in bars in Glasgow. And so there's not going to be many old people, older people there. And Glasgow isn't the most diverse city mm-hmm. in the world. So, I mean, that's just what it was. I suppose maybe, the, yeah... The context matters in this case, which maybe the BuzzFeed article yeah, didn't, of course, didn't, didn't supply. It, so yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was not on you. But yeah, that did make me sort of mm. think a bit more about these things in the yeah, future. Yeah. yeah, I think that's important. I think mm-hmm. like, we should just all be more thinking about that yeah. more and be more aware of it. Do you know what I mean like and speaking about it? And mm-hmm. yeah, it's important. It really is. And then um, moving forward for you, like photography wise, like what have you got lined up that you can tell us? What have you been working on recently? Um, well, it's just a lot of the. Uh, um, theatre and classical music uh, mostly that's coming up uh, I'm really grateful for that because of course live performance has yes. been sort of gone for a while so it's just really nice to be back in uh, in rehearsal rooms and in theatres yeah and um, would, uh, apart from your um, bouldering is that the word? yeah yeah mostly, mostly, mostly a bouldering well bouldering refers to like when it's you're not you don't have a rope in say just because you don't go up that high so you're maybe like you're basically climbing a boulder so maybe it goes up just to like maybe 20 feet or something like that and then your safety is just mats at the bottom and you know pals there to spot you so yes uh important yeah (laughs) pals to spot you um i see that you're an avid cook as well like your creations Mm. are like they're like pure insta worthy like oh thanks very much i'm pure stalking on instagram (laughs) but i was like oh my word that looks amazing like is that just again like something that you've just Okay. Yeah, a passion for pretty much I mean so my dad's Chinese um, and obviously the Chinese love their food and growing up I didn't actually see a great deal of my dad because he worked all the time again like yeah. like the Chinese do um, so when he had his one day off a week and he would make you know a big kind of banquet for the family oh, wow. so I think that I came to you know, associate cooking with love in that way. Yeah. And then obviously, you know, because again, very Chinese, not as if my dad's ever told me he loves me, but, you know, he put the best bit of meat in my bowl, you know, so that's, he sort of, um, oh. you know, come to associate food with love. And so I've always loved cooking and, you know, when I left home, yeah, I got a rice cooker on a walk and a bunch of recipes. But COVID again is, was a, a sort of impetus to get deeper into that. I had obviously a lot of time. Mm-hmm. My flatmate that I live with, he loves food and loves cooking. So we did this thing because we used to go out and eat out quite a lot. Um, so obviously we couldn't do that during COVID. So I think this was during the first lockdown or that kind of summer of 2020. We did this thing where on, on Fridays we would um, we'd dress up, you know, like yes. as if we were going out. Love it. And we would, uh, we would take turns. So one week I would cook a three-course meal for us both even more than three courses sometimes actually and then the next week he would do it so it was like we're going out you know like we get properly yeah uh, proper fancy meals so we'd, I learned a lot yeah because it was all because obviously at the time it just sort of all these recipes that I'd never bought I would never ha- make the time or effort yeah, you know yeah. th- things I that you, you know, take a whole like, day you know, effort, you know yeah. like, that's like proper <laughs> cuisine here yeah I mean I think when when you if you if you if you if you're gonna cook that kind of stuff at home, you've got to enjoy the actual cooking of it oh, because yeah. it can take hours to cook, and then you've eaten it in fifteen minutes. So <laughs> it's not really about the finished product so much as the enjoyment no, that you get out of doing the thing. It's nice that you got dressed up and all that. I think these are yeah, really you got actually putting aftershave on and everything. Oh, you know, yes. so. But that's yeah. I think that's what COVID taught us as well, and it? it's just like appreciate like like slow down a bit. Yeah, exactly. So appreciate like the mm-hmm. process of things. And yeah, because I think we're always like rushing to the finish line. Well, certainly I am. Like we we work and stuff and life, and it's just like there's a million things to do and. If, if it taught us anything, it's like just there's like to like savor the detail of mm-hmm. things and like slow down and like yeah. seeing massively connected with the point of like you are not your work. Exactly. Yeah. Which is so important. So true. Yeah. I mean, Instagram was quite a a sort of like during COVID, and I think it started during COVID actually. Like just sharing stories actually was quite a nice 
mode of expression and a good way of keeping in touch with, you know, other folk or I suppose because Facebook, people don't use Facebook as much, do they really? And yeah. it kind of Facebook has become a kind of a bit toxic, really very politically charged all the time, which hasn't really crept. I mean, I, I, I was saying about Instagram, I mean, it's a bit shallow, but in a way that's kind of nice because it's kept all the heavy stuff out of it. So Instagram can be a place you just go totally. for a bit of, you know. Yeah, yeah, for a nice voice. Yeah, yeah exactly, uh-huh. exactly. And I think, like, I mean, I, I don't know what other people's experience is because I guess you curate your feed, so I've just got a mm. of, like, nice people doing nice things, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like the Brawn the Brave page, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I feel like people have wholly been supportive of what I'm doing with the podcast, like, I, I've not seen a lot of negativity online, yeah. like, personally, about the podcast itself, or even myself, I understand that other people's interactions and experience with social media is not great, and I guess as a photographer, there's that, you know, you're giving your work, you, there's one way you have to, like, promote yourself, because you want to put your work mm-hmm. in, like, I'm working on this, like, I'm doing this, but also there's, like, you're putting your actual amazing work online for other people to then digest, or use, or, yeah. You know, uh-huh. It's a, yeah, it's a funny one. Um, sort of, it used to be that you know you you were just as a photographer, your website was your online presence, and that was it. But I quite like social media. It's certainly been good for me, and I think maybe just the way like, I don't know. It, it, for example, getting into arguments and comment sections is just like absolutely not worth it. I don't think that helps anybody or anything. Certainly not your mental health. You know what I no. mean? So, so I think if you just treat it as a wee tool and. You know, enjoy it that way. On my Instagram, for example, my, my the actual feed is my work. Yeah. And then stories is just like a bit of fun. That's well, a bit of climbing or my food or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I was yeah, I was quite touched. Like I would I would bump into folk in the street. You know, during COVID, they'd see how much they loved the pictures of the food or you know the, the dinners I would make my family and that kind of thing. I thought, oh, that's nice to hear it's because because sometimes I think. You know, I might come off as a bit, a bit fucking show off. You know what? Who's <laughs> this? Oh, what dick this guy? You know? No, <laughs> so, no. Like, yeah, I don't care. It's like that. The, the, the poetry, like I put it out, and I'm like, I'm just like, oh, this is making another thing again. Like, <laughs> so I think I wrote a poem about like what's she up to now? Because I feel like sometimes folks yeah, yeah, yeah. like, what's she up to now? Like, I just going to make everyone into like some sort of like performance. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, <laughs> but I just put stuff out in the hope that it, somebody does connect to it. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. That somebody gets something from it. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not looking for anything. Yeah, like, do you know what yeah. Okay, I mean, I. I like I like the same as everybody else. And nice wee comments, lovely too. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm going to not going to sit here and lie and be like, oh, I don't care about the, like whether people like it. Of course I do. Of course ah, I of do. Course you do, yeah. do you know what I mean? But I think it's just like as somebody who's creative, you like the process of making mm-hmm. something, but also if you get the opportunity to share it with other people and there's that connection. Yeah, that's right. Clearly, you are like a storyteller. Even like reading your blog posts that are on your website, like it's it now makes sense to me that. I'm like, oh yeah, you studied English, right? Yeah. Because you, 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 you know, the photography is beautiful storytelling in itself, and I guess looking at an image as the viewer, you take your own mm-hmm. take of the story. You know, unless there's no caption underneath or whatever, you're like, oh, I wonder what that person's all about, or I wonder why they were crying, or I sure, yeah, I mean? yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You're the person who was there, and you know the uh-huh. real story. But then to read your words underneath, like a a picture to get an insight almost like I think people appreciate the behind the scenes yeah. aspect mm-hmm. because they aren't in theatres mm-hmm. with these amazing actors they aren't in a room with a famous person trying to get them to get the shot or do you know what I mean like, but you are that person behind the camera and your take on things is, is really inspiring and interesting well, thanks very much yeah I mean I've always loved language and writing mm-hmm. so to be able to combine the two is something that something I enjoy but on the other hand, I do think uh, a photograph should be able to speak for itself, you know, without it. Well, not not necessarily always, you know, I have been to some exhibitions where I wouldn't have understood the photos, you know, without the text, which is not something I'm interested in my own work, explain, having to explain it in that way. But, you know, I can appreciate it, mm. I suppose, you know, I don't like to, even though, I mean, well, you know, it's, when you study literature, there's a, you know, you can be a tendency to intellectualise everything, you know, yes. um, which, you know, sometimes is helpful, but sometimes often it's not. It's a nice story. Exactly. Yeah, totally. But I think it's um it's it's nice that you have that aspect of your work that you you know, that you have got your blog or you have got your Instagram to, to give yeah. your, the people that love your work that insight mm-hmm. or scoop kind of thing. Because we do like I, I think because a lot of people interact with like the behind the scenes of even the podcast. Sure. And I you know, I'd be like maybe do like a alright guys say I'm going to speak to so and so and I'm like what are you all about talking to but oh, yeah, people yeah. actually like that because mm-hmm. I guess it's like 
interesting if you're just interested in people like like I am, that's why I do this podcast. Yeah. Um, we do like to get the behind the scenes. So I love your food pictures. And oh, like, thanks. Your bold down <laughs> shots. Like I do, but also I love hearing a wee something of like I was in this room with these people or yeah, I, yeah. I started at McRobert at this age and hearing back doing it. You know, <laughs> kind of like I'm like that's lovely. Like I want to know more about because like. What you do is really cool, and you do it to like the most exquisite level. Oh, thank you. But yeah, like you're saying, you're a you're a rounded, whole rounded person. That it's interesting. <laughs> I'm getting to there. Tell you. <laughs> I'm trying. Well, we're all working progress. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was hoping by forty I would know it all. Yeah. Apparently not so much. <laughs> but, that anyway. Do you know the good thing? Um, I really sort of like. I think I think I'm happier now than I've ever been, and I, I've, as I say, I've got a lot of friends who are older than me, and my friends who you know, at the 40th birthday party, at the 50th, I remember, my, you know, my pal at his, his 60th birthday a couple of years ago saying to me, it just gets better. You know, I'm, I'm happy I've ever been and that's great. Oh, if that's, that's true, nice. that's, I'm, you know. We'll take that I know what's up. Is it great? I'll do it then. Yeah. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> well, I don't know if you're aware, but on the podcast we do these things called the hangamajigs, which are just random <clears> questions. <throat> I start, so the the, the yep. started as a blog, right? Um, but then I just discovered that it was the top bit that I liked, so maybe in the podcast, which you might be able to guess. But I've kept these hangamajig questions that I do like to ask at the end of the podcast, just to get to know my guests more. So, who or what makes you laugh? Uh, okay, no, I'll just go with what I, my, my, my first uh, instinct. So, my, my flatmate, Scott Gilmore. So, he is one half of Noisemakers, you know, so uh, Claire McKenzie and him drink musicals. So, and he's probably one of the funniest people I know. And so, during COVID, obviously, we were stuck, you know, living together. And even now, we're, we're not. But, I mean, it just makes me laugh so much. And, you know, that kind of, you, you sort of, when you're laughing so much, it's actually sore. Yes. You know, I think that most folk, you know, or, or at least, like, you know, when I was younger, you know, I'd be lucky to get that, you know, once a month, that kind of, mm-hmm. but now, living, living with him, every day is such a riot. Oh, so, that's yeah. so good. <laughs> well, actually, I was there's a. I, I told him I read this when I heard it. It was um, uh, Anne Bancroft was once asked what it was, uh, what it was like being married to Mel Brooks, and she said, uh, "Well, you know, like every couple, we have our ups and downs. But when I hear the key in the lock, I know I'm going to be laughing in a minute." Aww. Well, that was lovely, and that's how I feel living with Scott. So yeah, that's what it's like. That's yeah, we're so always laughing. Cute. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, sounds like the perfect flatmate. <laughs> Um, 99 or a nugget wafer? Uh, 99. Nice one. That was quite decisive for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Any question about it? Um, best day you've ever had? Oh, I mean, I don't know. I can pick this one, but I've got one in mind because mm-hmm. it happened quite recently. Okay. So I've only recently started getting into sort of climbing outdoors and during that lovely spell of sunshine we had there, some... Uh, in fact, well, some pals of mine, and not even guys I know very well, just mm-hmm. that I'd sort of met through climbing, but we drove out to uh, Dumbarton Rock, so right. that's kind of like a mecca for climbers, in, you know, in Scotland, um, and so I just spent 10 hours in the sun climbing, and it was one of the best days of my life. Yeah, I just really enjoyed it so much, and it's the climbing, but also the sort of the camaraderie, you know, the, the guys you're doing it with, and... Uh, you know, one of my pals, the guy that drove us there, my pal Dean. So, you know, I, I know I knew he was having the same sort of experience. You know, we were, he was kind of new to out this outdoor climb as well. We'd never yeah. been there before, and just both like loving it so much. Yeah, so that's great. that was that was That's superb. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I really, um, I can't believe you know that for what twenty years I've lived, you know, just twenty five kilometers away from this place. I've never been. <laughs> yeah. I've never even been see it as a beauty spot. You know, because uh-huh. it's absolutely stunning. Um, so yeah, never know. <laughs> well, you know, it's the place to be. <laughs> um, what is your biggest pet peeve? Um, oh, I know I should have loads of these. Oh no, do you know? <laughs> I've got actually one did just come to mind, but it's so wanky. I don't know if I can say it. <laughs> so I quite like um, I quite like sherry, like drinking sherry. Not like not like your granny's sweet sherry, but you know you can get okay. nice dry sherrys. Oh. So I sound like such a fucking wanker already. But my pet peeve is that. Most places, if if they even if they even serve sherry, if mm. you ask for it, they'll give you it in fifty mils. Right. But it's a wine. It's really shouldn't. It should be served in okay. at least seventy five mils, right? And that's my pet peeve. <laughs> 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 Get it right, people. <laughs> 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 
Well, noted if I ever have to <laughs> serve sherry, I'm, I'm there. See, I'm like, this is like an education for me. So if I ever any, any sherry drinkers in my house, I'll know, I'll know how to serve it properly. Um, if you could be a fly on a wall in any room at any time, past, present, future, what room would you be in and who would be in the room? Oh, wow. Oh, I'm, I'm trying to think if there's any great like historical mysteries, you know, mm. that we don't know the answer to yeah, that I could yeah. maybe, you know, <laughs> solved by. <laughs> I was only there. Yeah, yeah, to know the truth. Ugh, I mean, I've often thought, you know, if I had a, this is different for me to fly in the wall because I thought the fly in the wall point is, you know, you get that secret information. Mm. But I've always thought if I had a time machine, some stuff I'd like to see mm-hmm. would be, I don't know, Freddy at Live Aid. <laughs> well, I, was yes. in the, I was in the womb at the time. My mum <gasps> says, my, right? oh, yeah, my mum says when Freddy came on, I was kicking like that. <laughs> But um, oh, I would, yeah, that would be a that would be place to be. I'd also love to have seen like a a, a gladiatorial fight at the Colosseum, you know, back in back in ancient Rome. That's that would be really incredible, I think. Are you a Freddie um, fan then? Are you a Queen fan? Oh yeah, 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 yeah big big Queen fan. Totally. <laughs> Just a remind another pet peeve. I think Queen were the exceptions to this anyway, or there is an exception where Queen and David Bowie singing under pressure, right? It's absolutely brilliant. But it's quite a rare example of because this is the pet peeve. Mm-hmm. Normally, when they bring two like massive, brilliant stars together for a duet, it's mm-hmm. always shit. Why is it always shit? Like, do you know there's there's a couple of Stevie Wonder and Michael Jackson duets. They're rubbish. I think there's a Michael Jackson and Freddie Mercury one. It's rubbish. There's a Michael Jackson and uh, Barry Gibb from the Bee Gees one. It's rubbish. Yeah. There's a Stevie Wonder and Whitney Houston one that's just okay. Mm-hmm. But all you always get, yeah, bring these big stars together. It's always rubbish. Yeah, yeah. A good song and a go. I know. I know, I know. <laughs> so, okay, now I'm going to have this. This is going to be this. Now I'm going to fix it. I'm like, what, what have been the epic duets? Yeah, yeah. Maybe there's not that many. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, but there you go, but Queen and David Bowie is, is. Yeah, is you're right. Uh-huh. It? Absolutely. Cannot fault. Faultless. faultless. <laughs> I love these pet peeves. This, this is what the hanging with Jinx and Smile. You just don't know you're annoying. You just stuff until you get on and you're like, I don't know a thing. <laughs> Um, and the question I do ask everybody, because it's called the Brown the Brave, is what is your favourite Scots word or phrase? Oh, well, I've definitely got a few of these. Um, my favourite one, probably my all-time favourite, is Mogar. So it's spelled M-O-G, I think it's A-R, or it might even just be R. It means a mess, more or less. My, I know it from when I was wee. My mum used to say, it's "Right, get this room tidy. It's a moger in here," and I just thought it was a a word that she'd made up, or you know, or very specific to here. Apparently, I think it does have its origins in Ayrshire, but um, then I think when I was a bit older, I got to this dictionary of of of, of Scottish phrase and fable, and I looked up moger, and it was there. I was so delighted. I was like, "Oh my god, it's right!" Yeah. So, and it's um. Yeah, I can't remember. Oh, I wish I could remember its origins to tell you. But basically, yeah, it can be it can be a a verb, you know, or yeah, the mogard this, you know, ah. and uh, and then actually I was reading a novel, a Willie McIlvany novel, uh, quite recently, and it was in it. I was delighted to see it there. Yes. So that's probably my favourite. Just uh, that's the first. Nobody's ever yeah, said that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny because someone said burach, which is the same thing. Oh, burach. Oh, there's a never, burach in here, which burach. I'd never heard of either. Oh. And I was in a meeting this morning, and somebody said, oh, I'm not putting my camera on. It's a pure burach in here." And I was like. Oh wow! I've never heard more of this. I wonder if that sounds like it's maybe more of a kind of yeah, a northern, a, yes, northern uh, word, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. person told me it was like from originally yeah, from yeah, the other yeah. islands, and I was uh-huh. like, "What is this word?" But that's that's a brand new one for the Brown the Brave. Nobody's ever said that. You've been to the <laughs> Hall of Fame, yeah, Hall of Fame. Love that. Love learning new words. <laughs> oh god, that's good. It's the way you, you say, "Oh, it's a moger in here." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or if you had a heavy night, you were mogered last <laughs> night. Yeah, I think that would be. <laughs> this has been an absolute joy I can't thank you I've enjoyed it thanks thank very much thank you so much yeah, you're an absolute great. star and I just wish you all the, the best for what like you have cheers <laughs> I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Brawn the Brave a podcast about people and their passions join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests bye for now